Yeah, I just went with the, the all natural look today. I didn't really do anything with it. No. <laughs> I like the part. I like the part though. It's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are recording whenever we're ready. And we're keeping that in. <laughs> well, if we are, then uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to Beers Boost. I'm Barry. I'm Zach. And I'm Nathan. So we don't have any car recalls for the first time in God knows how long, and maybe only the second or third time. Uh, but we do have we do have a recall related to cars. Um, Harbor Freight is recalling about 1.7 million of their jack stands over concerns that they could collapse. The exact thing you don't want them to do. <laughs> the opposite of what we're going for there. Yeah they're, yeah, they're meant to hold the car up so you don't have to leave it on the actual jack, which will slowly fall so you don't get crushed by your car. Um, Hydraulics so much faster and had to buy a new $200 jack. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> a buddy of mine still has my jack and jack stands. I need to get that back from him at some point. Uh, anyway, the affected stands are the 3 and 6 ton versions with the model number 56371, 61196, and 61197. Uh, there should be a yellow sticker somewhere on the jack stand to give you the model number. So if you have jack stands from Harbor Freight, please check them. <laughs> you... Zach, I have I have a very specific question. Okay. You you love working on cars. You love working on your car. Correct. That's, that's something that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Is that why your dog's name is Jack? <laughs> no. Uh, he's actually named after Captain Jack Harkness. <laughs> oh. Uh, I do love Captain Jack. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love Captain Jack. You gotta love Anyway, yes. If you have Jack stands, get them checked. Don't get crushed. Don't damage your car. Many bad things can happen if they collapse. So, check them. But, um... Moving on into some news news action. Uh, Ford, uh, take a step back here real quick and uh, <laughs> relay what went through the process of gathering all of the news in the world to give them out to you. Um, it's been weeks, months, years since we've seen the real life. Um, and pretty much all the news has been the exact same. Cars are dying. Manufacturing doesn't know what's going on push to have it open as quick as possible, fail at that, all kinds of shit going on. So I'm not going to give you, or we're not going to give you all the news that is just the exact same thing all the time, but there is a little bit of interesting COVID news related to cars. First, Ford is delaying the F-150, the Bronco, and the Mach-E releases by at least two months in relation to how long Ford has been closed. Well, Ford had an outbreak two days into opening... And so that might be pushing it to even see those come out in two months. Um, Hertz filed for bankruptcy, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So that rental car company's dead, as well as another one. I forget the name of it. Um, oh, it's not um, Enterprise. It's the other one. There's Hertz, Enterprise, and... There's Budget. Budget? There's a, another one. It's another one. Um, another one. I forget the name of it, but there's two of them now that have fully gone bankrupt. Avis? And, yes. I think it's Avis. I think it's Avis. It sounds really familiar. Um, okay. But... How's it going? <laughs> and the cat has left the building. <laughs> the cat has left the room and the door is closed. <laughs> okay. Um, 
but uh, that basically all these Renault companies closing means that their fleet vehicles are now up for sale or will be going up for sale very soon. According to automotive news, some of them have already hit the markets. So it's not the best idea to buy a rental car, but if you are looking for a cheap used car, you could probably get a really good deal. Now, granted, most used car rental cars have been driven really hard or have a lot of miles on them mm. relative to their year and their age. Uh, but when looking through this, some of the stuff, uh, Jalopnik had an article about this talking about how the Bumblebee Z06s from 2019 are on sale. We're talking $80,000 brand new cars on sale for 60 grand. Not like bad. you can get, get a, a Z, yeah, get a <laughs> Z06 for 60 grand. That's pretty good. Uh, but this is again more bad news to Ford, GM, FCA, Nissan, Kia, Toyota, all of those major providers of rental cars. Now that's a huge chunk, especially Nissan, of mm-hmm. their money that they're not going to be making as they were constantly getting in new fleet vehicles or purchased new fleet vehicles. So yeah. that sucks for them. Uh, um, our Rogue is actually, it was a rental, but it only had 18,000 miles on it and was bought back by Nissan. So it had the full Nissan inspection. So we kind of lucked yeah. out and you can potentially luck out like that, but you might also get that Ford Fiesta that I drove the ever living shit out of in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't my might. car. Might. Um, but with all of that going on, something that's really interesting, COVID has shut down, you know, Alabama and Florida, even though their governors and Georgia and their governors are like, ah, fuck it, we're going to be open. We're going to do a whole bunch of shit that you shouldn't be doing. Um, but yet the things that are made in Alabama are doing really well, oddly enough, in China. That would be Mercedes, Hyundai, and who else is building in Alabama? Um, is BMW down there? Are they in... They're in South Carolina. It's Honda. Mm. Honda, Mercedes, and Hyundai all build SUVs in Alabama. And those are selling like wildfire in (laughs) China right now. So I wonder what's going to happen when supply doesn't meet demand because they're shut down just like Ford is. I don't know. Um, Go ahead. I'm just trying to unpack the phrase selling like wildfire. Selling like hotcakes? Going like wildfire. Yeah, but like <laughs> one, I hate the name hotcakes. That's stupid, in my opinion. It's pancakes. <laughs> and two, wildfire goes like crazy. So yeah, selling like wildfire. Okay, I I, I see the train of thought there. Um, sorry, hotcakes, griddle cakes, pancakes, hoe cakes, flapjacks. I like flapjacks, I like that name. I, I don't like hotcakes. So, I like so, all cake is hot. So it no. shouldn't be. The icing melts off. What are you doing? You make you make the cake hot. You can eat a pancake cold. You can eat a cake cold. You can eat a cake out of the oven. You can eat it cold with icing. I, I mean, love this new Dr. Seuss book. This is amazing. Title of the episode. Uh, I'm just saying there's a ton of words for fried bread. Yes, there are a lot. Um, uh. kind of going back to COVID, I saw an interesting article today. I didn't actually read it. I just saw the title in the first few lines. I was like, huh, never even thought about that. Um, apparently the coronavirus is hitting the, uh, porn industry very hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, you can't really be together. So, yeah. yeah. Social distancing. You can't make new porn. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but I read the article. And I was like, huh, I might actually go back and read it later just to see exactly what's happening. I just found it interesting. Yeah. <laughs> 
I bet in turn the drug industry has taken a real big spike in sales. Probably. That's where a lot of a lot of money in the drug world goes. Yep. The, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but the porn industry is probably suffering, but the cam sites are probably doing really well. Oh, that's a good point. A good <laughs> yeah, point. they probably are. Probably are. <laughs> oh, so this is a this is a car it. podcast. Oh, an adult car podcast. Yes. yes. Let, let, let's, let's talk about video, but not cam industry video. Let's talk about a movie that um, you should really go check it out. Head over to YouTube and look up. I cannot pronounce this, Nathan. I took French, but I am not good at French. Can you read okay. this? Is it in the uh, notes? It's in, it's in here. It's in the part about Ferrari. Oh, c'était un rendezvous. Thank you. Thank you. Um, they, in that 1970s film, there is an eight-minute long car chase that is this Ferrari, um, let's see here, the 275 GTB is driven around at tons of miles an hour um, through the heart of Paris. And it is really, really interesting. You should go over to YouTube, check it out, watch the video. But the whole point of this is telling you that Monaco has been canceled because of COVID-19, but Ferrari is still going to use the set-aside track for Monaco to recreate this with the new SF90 hybrid supercar. That's kind of cool. So this is going to be really interesting. When I read that Monaco had been canceled in the script here, I was thinking not the F1 race, but just the entire country. Yeah. <laughs> like just the... I mean, the country's <laughs> like, they're, they're like this big. It's basically just that loop. Yeah, it's you, it's a town. You can't social distance with like a thousand or how many, How big is the population of Monaco? Uh, it's at least one. Yeah, at least. I don't think the actual population is that high, but whenever there's a race going on, that town is nuts. Population probably... is forty thousand, which 40, is yeah, it, it's a decent size. But when you think about the actual square footage of Monaco, um, it's extremely tiny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very so, compact and condensed housing that goes up. So yeah, it was a it was it's a city state that was founded because they were rich enough to buy their own sovereignty. So yep, there you go. Yeah, well, anyway, speaking of old Ferraris, let's talk about some old Mustangs becoming new, just like the new version of this movie. Um, Classic Recreations is recreating the Shelby GT500CR in a carbon fiber body modern technology and performance edition. So if you want a 1967 Fastback, but you want it to run and perform like a car from today's era, we got you covered. It's only going to cost you between $215,000 and $280,000, though. But you'll have a fully, uh, a fully, according to Classic Recreations, hypercar quality carbon fiber bodies. And we don't know the horsepower on it. I assume it's going to be whatever the V8s nowadays can push out. It's so. probably going to be one of the new new Shelby Coyote mm-hmm. motors that are nuts. Yeah. Is this the uh, is this the God in 60 Seconds Mustang? I think so. 67? I think it's the LMR. GT500? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. You can watch that again. <laughs> I haven't watched the original. I need to watch the original. Never yeah, I've only seen the Nick Cage version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the classic Nick Cage version. <laughs> Just got to do the no, pants. Nothing's, yes, nothing says oh, quality no. movie like 
Angelina Jolie in Dreads. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Quintessential '90s movie, like every bit of yeah. it. Every mm-hmm. bit of it. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna take thirty seconds of our time and just listen to Lowrider. Let's do this. Low, Rider. <laughs> anyway, Honda has given us a new version. <laughs> Honda just brought out a new generation of the Type R. Well, apparently they don't like it as much as they thought they would, so they're giving us a new body in a way. If you guys would scroll down in the script there, you'll see a little bit of uh, some spy shots courtesy of Motor One. Um, now, it doesn't look too, too different. I mean, especially considering there's tons of camouflage on it. But the bumper does look very much more square and a little less kind of pointy um it seems like they they toned down a bunch of the air vents is what it looks like Mm -hmm. yeah unless they're just covered up yeah it's it's not as gappy Mm -hmm. it it looks like it's going to be more i guess less out there look and it's going to be more tone tuned um or toned down to like a wrx was a couple years ago Mm -hmm. is what it looks like it's kind of kind of be it's a little it looks a little more like full bodied and square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to a bunch of louvers and cannons and stuff. Uh, yeah. um, it looks a little angrier. Like it looks tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be curious to see it unwrapped. Well, that it might look a little tougher because it might be a little bit lower as they did upgrade the suspension. That's mm-hmm. the only confirmed thing we know about next year's version is it will have an upgraded suspension setup. Also, can we talk about those rear tires? They fat. They thick. <laughs> well, I mean, it is all-wheel drive now, so I guess you finally yeah. do have to have something in the back of a Honda. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're actually, if if I'm looking at the front ones correctly, they're they're beefy. pretty wide themselves. Yeah, so, yeah, they're pretty pretty beefy guys. I mean, those are not the old classic 205s that used to be on them. Nope. So, <laughs> um, but. Nice segue. Uh, speaking of big tires, equal to big power, last week we told you about the Alpina XB7 being announced. Well, BMW and Alpina have shown it off, and it has just chunkers as fat tires, uh, but also has 600-plus horsepower with, from a twin-turbo V8, 590 foot-pounds of torque. We'll do 180 miles an hour, and we'll do 0 to 60 in 4 seconds. But, Price is going to be a hundred and forty-one thousand, so a little bit less than a hundred and fifty thousand we predicted. But um, yeah, it it sure does look like a BMW. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. The grills can fit all four tires inside the grills. Yes. Um, this does remind me. I did go back and watch the cars episode that you guys did without me, and uh, your talking points, Nathan, on sport utility vehicle. I kind of wanted to come back to that because so when we think sport utility vehicle, we do think off-roader, mudding, hauling shit, but I think the sport utility has just shifted to track sport like this, a 600 horsepower SUV that can go on the road and it's got the utility. It can haul people. So Mm -hmm. I think the name still technically fits when you use those definitions, but I do agree that there should be something different. Like, maybe we should change what we think as an SUV for off-road into something else. 
mm-hmm. because sport utility does yeah. quite fit this well. It is sporty. It does have yeah. utility. It is a vehicle. Well, okay. I, I, I kind of half agree with you there, um, which another note of this is it does have a limited slip as well, which adds in more to that sport factor. We're getting there with a lot of these high-end $100,000 plus SUVs. They have the sport capability to them. But when you have things like uh, Rachel's Mariner or uh, the Rogue or things like that, there's they have 200 horsepower at best mm-hmm. and they're not going to be good off-roaders especially the front-wheel drive ones that don't come with the all-wheel drive edition that's true the and your crossovers which there is a, a term for that and that's crossover but a lot of people will coincide crossover and suv to be the same thing mm-hmm. so i think that maybe there needs to be a split where okay if you have over 500 horsepower you're truly a sport you're a today's sport utility vehicle yeah but if you don't then maybe that's the crossover yeah a uv (laughs) a utility vehicle or that like that's a crossover like Mm. everything like that everything 400 horsepower and down is just a crossover yeah and if you you put 600 horsepower into it and it finally gets the the sport aspect which i mean we talked about the original crossover the amc eagle that Mm -hmm. in my mind is an actual crossover they took a car they lifted it mud tires all-wheel drive done yeah yeah but the yeah. what we classify as a crossover nowadays is just a, it's a small utility vehicle. So I, I guess it is still an SUV. It's just small utility vehicle, not sport. I, I yeah. think they, yeah. in my mind, with the crossover specifically, they've taken the utility out of it because yeah. they're so expensive that most people that I know that have one have the base models mm-hmm. of them. It means they're front wheel drive, low power. Um, there's there's no utility and they have less space in them than my car like my car is kia soul it has more space than eileen's crv it's got more than the nissan kicks yeah the kicks could barely hold five people and you're not going to get the luggage for five people if you're going on a road trip and see this is what we've talked i know i myself and nathan have talked about this a lot and zach you've been agreeing on us agreeing with us on some points of this that vans need to be more than more popular than what they are i mean if you're talking about hauling stuff i mean now granted it doesn't have a giant boot but you can lay the seats down and you can get a fucking chest of drawers in there mm-hmm. like, all the way in it, it, you're not gonna be able to really tow anything because most of them they're either all wheel drive or front wheel drive with 150 horsepower yeah. but so they're are your base model yeah but so are yeah. your base model suvs and if your base model suv is meant to carry around five kids and some groceries You'll do that so much easier in a van and for less money. I mean, we talked about the Chrysler Pacifica Sport because there's a lady I work with that owns one. She got the thing for thirty-six grand, brand new. I mean, name me um, an SUV or a crossover that's less than thirty-five thousand that has all the accoutrement because the Chrysler Pacifica Sport is the high end. Like you can right. get the lower end version. This is the high end that can fit nine people and groceries in it. Is it all-wheel drive? Because a few of them are. Oh, I don't think hers is. Okay. But I don't actually remember. I'd have to look it up. If you hadn't called out nine people, that third row seating, I would have thrown out the Rogue SL. Because, I mean, Tammy's car has any feature you'd ever want and more. And it's got, essentially, the GTR's Atessa all-wheel drive Mm -hmm. system, but reversed. Yeah. So it's all-wheel drive when it needs to be. But But you're only going to get five people and some groceries in there. A lot of fucking groceries. Uh, the bottom floor of the hatch comes out and it goes all the way down. So mm-hmm. it's a big fucking bucket back there. <laughs> my uh, my soul does that. Mm-hmm. The Pacifica, a... yeah, the Pacifica does as well. 
I'm not, I'm not knocking your vehicles. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> there's very few out there that you can get for cheaper that are going to be able to do as much. Like, a van almost is the utility vehicle of today. I, I will say, yeah. bang for your buck, minivans are your arrogant bastards of, like, family vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's getting all the room, all the seating that you need for your, you know, six family members or however many you have, and then plenty of room to store. Um, it just, I will say, people want to ride higher these days. They want that high viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I've had people go like, well, I would have gotten a minivan, but I want to sit high. And that's the only reason they got an SUV. I mean, it does make some things easier because it's sometimes such a bitch for me to turn right onto a road because my car's so low, my nose is so long, I can't get up and see around the person next to me. Mm-hmm. So, And I can't yeah. see past them. So I, if they're going through a light on the left, I don't know if the light's still green until they've already turned. Yeah. So. so I will say some of this is less someone's choice and it's more forced on them because... Um, around here, you get it a little bit because we do have so many people that just have daily driver in town pickups. Um, but I distinctly remember the first time I drove my soul down to Dallas and was on the highway. And I literally couldn't see anything because I was surrounded by tall SUVs and pickups. Yep. Um, I know that. And I was like, I kind of understand why some people are like, well, to keep up with everyone else around me, I need to be able to ride high. So, yep. I mean, we could debate this all day <laughs> for yeah. and against. We have, but well, let, let's kind of segue back into the Alpina. And Zach, I want to make sure that you do get this image that's at the end of the script or something similar to it up because I want to talk about how fucking ugly this nose is. Those kidneys <laughs> are the size of a damn brick house. Like, what's the point? You could Ugh. literally take the grills out and then go through it. Like you could, yeah, you could put your body through yeah. that. Yeah, I think, I think it's. I think there is a way to have a grill that large and make it attractive. But the BMW kidney bean grill does not work at that size. No, like there's some cars and and trucks and SUVs that have some gigantic grills. Some of which just account for the size of the vehicle, but they are attractive because mm-hmm. it's not this thing that you know from a prior thi- thing should be small. <laughs> yeah. At least that size. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they could make yeah. the front air dam bigger to get the same cooling power and it would look mm-hmm. better. But Absolutely. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's just I wanted to come back and make sure that my opinion on this god-awful <laughs> look was in the podcast. I want it on record that I hate the way this looks. I, I, I think mean, we've talked about the grills many times. I think as an SUV, that's the, if you're comparing it to other SUVs and the aesthetics of the vehicle, that's the only thing really holding that one back. Absolutely. Everything else is, is simple, smooth, good lines. It sits nicely. I love the wheels, by the way. Mm-hmm. The rims on those vehicles are pristine. They fit really um, well. Yeah. So there's, there's a gigantic, this is, this is a wonderfully nice vehicle, perfectly fine except it has huge buck teeth mm-hmm. that are very distracting. Very. Yeah. Well, that's it for the news news area. Did you guys have anything else to add? Um, I don't think I have any car news. 
I think we need to start calling out the fact that we are being spied upon. Yes, we are putting this out in the public, <laughs> but I would just like a shout out when someone steals one of our bits. This week, Autocar released a list of, uh, let me get this right, the fastest production cars in every decade since cars started. Hmm. Huh. Sounds familiar. Sure. Sounds really like something a podcast would do. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And yeah. has been doing for... Yeah. A while now. We're almost well, about done. four months. Yeah. We've only got... At really least nine... Few... Wait, nine? Ten. Hmm? Let's see. What, what decade did we start with? Oh... 1880 1880s i think, I think so. we started in the is 1880 or 1890 yeah and so then, we've done at least 10 yeah we've done a whole century which is 10, yeah so yeah <laughs> uh if we haven't done a century the one that i have ready will be one century of cars and there's only we'll have the 2000s the 2010s we can kind of talk about 2020 but i mean it's just started there's 10 more years for a car to come out to beat it so and i'm sure there will be well, something has the crown now. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. which we can talk about that when we get there. But we can talk about 1990. Yes. Now, I think we know this car. I think we have talked about this car at length a few times, but we're going to talk about. All right. Mother crisis averted. We are back. Um, thankfully, can you I, just can, got started. Can I guess what the car is of the 90s? Yes. All right. I'm going to go Mitsubishi Eclipse. You got it. The GSX. I thought so. I no, thought so. no. <laughs> great <laughs> car. No. Great car. The, <laughs> the GSX was a great car. Uh, Barry, did you want to throw out a guess? Uh, McLaren F1? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was close. It starts with a nib. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, it. This one's kind of to be expected. I mean... The McLaren F1 was such an icon of the 90s and the fastest cars. So, of course, we're going to talk about it. We already have. The only one that was close enough to it, wasn't it the Jaguar XJS? Yes. Yep. Or the the XJ220 in 92 set a record of 200 and something. But the McLaren beat it later in the 90s. Um. Mm. And then technically this still doesn't beat that Mercedes record wagon from the forties or fifties, whenever the hell that was. <laughs> I mean, the Mercedes was not a production car. It was a one-off like, let's go fast. And they did. Um, but the McLaren F1 was originally designed by Gordon Murray. Um, he convinced Rod Dennis to back the project and engage Peter Stevens to design the exterior and interior of the car. Um, apparently Gordon Murray had been dreaming of a three seat sports car since his youth. So that's the one super weird thing about the McLaren F1 is you, the driver sits in the middle, your passengers are behind you. So it's three seaters. So you get one more than other hypercars. Um, it's true. Yeah. But apparently when Murray was waiting for a flight home from the Italian Grand Prix in 1988, he drew a sketch of the three seater sports car, proposed it to Rod Dennis, pitched the idea of creating the ultimate road car. Um, a concept that was heavily influenced by the company's Formula One experience and thus reflects, you know, some of the skills and technologies used to build the F1. Um, Murray also said that during this time, they were visiting Honda's Tochigi Research Center with Art and Senna. Um, the visit... Uh, oh, they, they were visiting because at the time, Honda was actually the engines used in the McLaren F1 
Grand Prix cars. Honda makes some crazy F1 engines. Um, and although he was thinking about putting a larger engine um, into the McLaren F1 that they were thinking about and designing, he drove the Honda NSX and all of his benchmark cars, the Ferraris, the Porsches, the Lamborghinis, that he used for reference in making the F1, didn't care anymore. He wanted to make it as close to the NSX, but faster as he could. So the NSX was a huge inspiration on the, the handling and quality and just feel of the car. Um, he also insisted that the engine be naturally aspirated to rec- increase reliability and drive control. He didn't want a turbo or supercharger that could suddenly kick in and give you too much power or lag. He just wanted instant throttle response. Um, so they talked to Honda. They wanted Honda to build the engine. Like we want 550 horsepower. We want the engine to weigh more, no, weigh no more than 551. Um, and they talked to Honda a few times. Every time Honda's like, nope, nope. Honda wouldn't make the engine for him. Um, Isuzu had a power plant that they were planning for Formula One that McLaren was quite interested in, but the designers wanted an engine with a proven race design and racing pedigree. So they wouldn't go with the Suzu because they just didn't trust him. And that's why they ended up with BMW. Um, They went to the M division's engine expert, Paul Roche. um, And he's the one that designed the 6.1 liter V12 BMW S72. Uh, It had 618 horsepower, so more, and 580 pounds, so it was a little heavier, but still a big, beefy fucking engine. Um, But some interesting things about the car itself. It had a dry sump oil lubrication system, which we've talked about BMW needing to do on the M3s, but didn't. Um, It had a carbon fiber monocoque. was one of the first cars to actually do that. Um, But the engine produced so much heat that the engine department wasn't made of carbon fiber and was lined with gold as a like thermal insulation it used 0.8 ounces of gold on each car (laughs) so whenever you pop the hood there's just gold foil lining the entire thing uh the cam carriers cam covers oil sump dry sump and housing for the camshaft controls were all made of magnesium to reduce weight Um, intake had 12 individual throttle bodies (laughs) imagine yeah, one for each. Imagine like yeah. getting all those tuned right so they all close and open properly. That'd be a fucking nightmare. Um, and to properly atomize the fuel, it had two injectors per cylinder, one for low RPM, and then it ran both at high RPMs. Uh, fuel all the time, so yeah. that way you could get four miles a gallon. <laughs> uh, average was fourteen. Worst was eight. Best was twenty-three. Actually, yeah. extremely nice for a 90s V12. Yeah, I mean, when you're just bad. putting, it's just using one of them. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've talked about the doors before, the, the signature butterfly doors that he put on there because he liked the Toyota Sarah. <laughs> so those are an, a Toyota-inspired door. Which, slight segue, just to go back to BMW V12 gas mileage. That's insane that the McLaren would get that because the 850 Ci would average about eight mm-hmm. in the city. So like another BMW huge V12, no gas mileage yeah. <laughs> of yeah. the 90s. Well, this thing they did all they could to make it as light as possible. I actually don't have the weight figures. I should probably find that real fast. Um, 
which was surprising that it was as light as it was because standard inqui- equipment included a full cabin air conditioning, which is kind of a rarity in sports cars. I mean, the, the F40 didn't have it. Um, the system was designed with the NSX in mind again because Gordon Murray had an NSX for seven years, had the AC set to auto, the temperature he liked. He didn't touch it in those seven years. He just left it on. It's like, all right, the McLaren's got to have that. <laughs> so it had a nice AC system. The, uh, uh, the, the curb weight for the F1 was 2,500 pounds. Yeah, that's nothing. Or is that 2,600? Yeah. 2,700? Mine's 2,680. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. this thing weighed less than my car and had 600 horsepower instead of 200. So um, also had a nice fancy air conditioning system, something I don't have anymore. Um, electric defrost and demist on the windshield and side glass. Electric windows, remote locking. A Kenwood 10-disc CD changer. Uh, the high-performance headlamps, rear fog, reversing lights, courtesy lights in all compartments, map reading lights, gold-plated titanium toolkit and first aid kit, uh, tailored luggage that would fit into the carpeted side compartments along with a tailored golf bag. Uh, no airbags, like my car. And every customer was given a special edition Tag Heuer 600 chronometer wristwatch. <laughs> It's a $10,000 wristwatch. Yeah. So part of the price of the car was a damn watch. (laughs) But it had all of that stuff, and it weighed 2,400 pounds. But they did approach Kenwood, and were like, hey, we need a really nice stereo, multi-disc. We need you to make it as light as possible. (laughs) So they worked with Kenwood to make a very light stereo. Um, And I didn't realize that all of the driver's seats were custom-fitted to each customer along with the steering wheel and pedals because wow. the steering wheel was fixed, the pedals were fixed. So you'd give them the specifications, they'd put them all in place, and it's there forever. Interesting. Um, and apparently, production stopped in 1998. McLaren still maintains an extensive support network and service network. Uh, every F1 has a modem, which allows customer care to remotely fetch all of the ECU data so they can look over it. Um, there are eight authorized service centers. Um, McLaren will occasionally fly out a specialist to your home if you can't get to the service center. Um, And all the technicians that work on the F1 are dedicated, trained to the F1. They don't work on anything else but the F1. Yeah. And if there's major damage, McLaren will ship the car back to themselves and fix it. And... Invitation to care right there. I mean, we're talking about a 20-year-old car right now. Yeah. 20, 30-year-old car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they still take this much care on it. it also, yeah. in, what did it come out, like 92, 93, having a freaking modem in the car so they can remotely connect to the car and get the ECU data? That's that's some new age shit, and they're doing it back then. Tesla? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Can I get an update on the F1? Which, speaking of, let's let's call back to an episode of uh, Left Field with Nathan where he talked about how McLaren was like, ah, oh, we don't make any money off cars. It's just a hobby for us because mm-hmm. they make all their money off of toothpaste. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, that was one of my first episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just gives them the extra money to be like, ah, just keep throwing tech at it. Yeah, but it's like, that's yeah. insane that McLaren will do this for you and they seriously make no money off their cars but they have this level of dedication to a 30-year-old hypercar. Mm-hmm. They got all that stroller cash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus all the money they get from other <laughs> F1 teams. Like, yeah, you want our, you want our sweet ECU? 
<laughs> 10 grand. So, Zach, I did, while you were talking, I did look up the, the XJ220 mm-hmm. Jaguar. Um, did we even mention that the McLaren speed yet? Did you mention the top uh, speed? That is my last point I was about to go over. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll follow it up with, because uh, the Jaguar um, unmodified did 213. Mm-hmm. And that was the fastest at the time. Then there was a modif- modified XJ220 that did 217. Ooh. So. Well, on March 31st, 1998, the XP5 prototype, which was the F1 with a modified rev limiter, set the world record for 240.1 miles an hour. <laughs> Beating the XJ220. <laughs> by, by, by a little. By just a, a smidge. Just a little bit. Yeah. Now, if I remember correctly... That F1 holds that top speed limit until the Veyron comes out. It holds it for a very long time. Yeah. Which I'll have to go look at my list, the the 2000 car. I don't know if it actually beats this. It's the fastest in the 2000, but I don't know if it actually beats it. I'll have to find out. The F1. I think the F1 doesn't get dethroned from fastest production car. It held it like, like of all years. time. Yeah, until the, the Bugatti Veyron comes out. Mm-hmm. Was the Veyron 2010? Oh, uh, I think maybe. it was like 2010, 2011. Um, and Bugatti's 90, um, the DB110. Yeah, DB110. Um, that one. Uh, what? EB. EB. Yeah, sorry. EB110. Uh, it did 202 or something like that. Mm. I mean, it was a ridiculously fast car as well, but Volkswagen's the one that took them to being what they are now yeah <laughs> yeah uh the veyron was 2011 2011 okay yeah that's what all, all i got it's really some cool of those car. things yeah i didn't mm-hmm. know some of those things i didn't either it was i it was an interesting read when i was looking up stuff for this yeah i like it i don't have a left field today but i do have a fun uh mclaren f1 story that I heard in an interview one time. Uh, it should come as no surprise that someone that owns an F1 is Jay Leno. Uh, Jay <laughs> owns every car that's ever been. Have you heard this story before? I know this story. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Barry, do you know the story? Okay. So Jay was at uh, just like a party. He was going to like some sort of Hollywood TV party. Um, and uh, a couple of guys were working security at the, at the party. And he pulled up an F1. Uh, got out and he's like, yeah, I was showing off that night. Figured I'd take out, you know, uh, one of the fancy cars. He, so he shows up at the party um, and they comment on the car. They're like, hey, man, that's awesome. Uh, is that is it true that that's the fastest car in the world? He goes, yeah, fastest production car. Da, da, da. Uh, goes in, comes back out and they're like, man, we, we're so happy that you brought that by. That's such a cool thing. He goes, you want to ride? I'm like, Sure. So he takes him up to, uh, you know, Mulholland uh, Drive, like the windy road in the, the mountains outside of L.A. Uh, he takes him up there, and they're like, what can this thing do? He starts opening it up, and they're, they're going crazy. They're, they're, they're loving it, and, of course, he gets pulled over. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's like, I was going – he goes, I wasn't going crazy. I was going somewhere, in, well, in the mid-100s, which isn't crazy for the McLarens crazy in anything else um and uh he goes up he goes i'm gonna i'm gonna lose my car like (laughs) he goes it doesn't matter that i'm a huge celebrity the fact that i was going that fast on these roads Mm -hmm. and then cops like uh i think you're aware of why i pulled you over today and 
the two guys in the back go, hey, Joe, it's fine. He's with us because they were off-duty cops. <laughs> he said it went, it went from being the scariest moment of his life to like, oh, crap, I'm going to lose my show. I'm going to lose everything. Like, <laughs> to, uh, to like, no, we're cops. It's cool. <laughs> let's let's keep going. And now all I can think about a little bit when I think of that is like ah oh, privilege, right? <laughs> yeah, rich white person privilege. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, but it's a fun story. Yeah. Well, that uh, I believe that's going to be the end of our cars episode. Um, stick around for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday when we finish up the round of thirty-two for World War Beer. See you guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Have a good midweek.